0: Welcome to Rehydrate, a podcast about Liu Shishin's The Three-Body Problem and the entire Remembrance of Earth's Past series, eventually, and the upcoming Netflix show, whenever that comes out. This is Season 1, Episode 6, Red Coast, covering chapters 12-20 through of The Three-Body Problem. We're reading the entire series together in episode-sized chunks, in preparation for the upcoming TV series, and we're currently reading The Three-Body Problem. Each host has a different level of experience with the series. Jim, I have read the first novel, The Three-Body Problem.
1: Hi, I'm Dan. I've read the series multiple times.
2: Hi, I'm Tim. I've only read up to the uh, current episodes chapters. This is Amin. I, too, have only read up to the current episodes chapters. But also, I, along with Dan, co-host the Rehydrate Spoiler Cast, where Dan spoils the entire Three-Body Problem book and the entire series. So if you have read the series and or don't care about spoilers, you should check that out as well.
1: I also want to give an update to our reading list. So previously we had uh, broken out the episodes into more let, let more episodes with less chapters, but we had talked about it and decided that we're gonna put a little bit more content per episode, just to have a little bit more to talk about per episode. So always check the website, rehydrate.space for the current reading list. But this episode will cover chapters 12 to 20. The next episode will cover chapters 21 to 26. And the final episode will cover chapters 27 to 35. We've also put up a pronunciation guide on the website. Friend of the show, Sandra, helped me put the the list up, and she made all the pronunciations. And if my terrible Chinese is confusing to people or people don't know how to actually pronounce the names, the all up on there with uh, handy audio clips. But we also received some feedback for this episode from the Three Body subreddit. Ended up being a lot of talking about how. We, we as Americans, kind of perceive China and uh, Chinese, so I'm going to read some of his comments here. So one of the comments was, making totally random and wrong pronouncements about China is fine, as long as you avoid Western journalistic and academic propaganda, priming you to see (laughs) China remembers Earth pass in a certain way, because that would make you just another NPC bot for anti-China rhetoric, which makes having your own podcast totally pointless. So. I will say that I have been very conscious of not having an anti-China bias, but I am an American and a product of American media and consume that mostly. I don't read Chinese, so I can't read Chinese forums or newspapers or that kind of thing. I do talk to Chinese people to try to get their perspective on China, but you know I will take this as an opportunity to be better about that. I don't know if anyone else any other thoughts about their perspectives on on China and, you know, how we kind of address those issues.
0: I think it's a a sign of the way rhetoric is online that he said, you got to do what I recommend. Otherwise, you're just another NPC bot for Western propaganda. (laughs) That was a little silly, but yeah, if you strip that away, the the point of putting yourself into, you know, the perspective of someone who lives somewhere else is definitely well worth doing. I think a lot of times in the west there's a lot of reporting on you know human rights abuses which should be done but like then people just leap all the way to everybody who lives in this country is obviously for this or whatever whereas you could reach back to 20 years ago to the iraq war right and other parts of the world obviously that looked terrible and you'd just be like well everybody in america just loves this stuff whereas (laughs) I, that's not completely true. It's, it's just people just didn't have the energy or ability to push back against that.
3: Yeah, as an American, I, to an extent, it's impossible for me to put myself in the you know perspective of a Chinese person because I'm not so. You know, obviously assume that there's a you know diversity of thought within China, even if it's sometimes hard for us to have insight into that. And, I mean, just be honest about where you're coming from. Trust the listener to know that there are things we're going to get wrong or misunderstand. And attempting to adopt the perspective of a Chinese person is just is still going to be fraught with your own biases or what you think a Chinese citizen thinks about or what their perspective is. And- I'm not sh- I'm not sure what else there is to do other than just be honest about where you're coming from and your perspective. I think like the
1: main thing is though, just kind of be honest and recognize that you might have biases and you might not have all the information. Sure. Yeah. I
0: don't know if you want to move to something sort of tangential to this, but I actually read an interesting point in a year end review of China by a guy who reports on China for Bloomberg news. His name is Dan Wang. I will link it into the show notes, but he made the point that the reason a lot of people don't understand how Chinese people may think or what's going on in China or what life is like in China is that there's not many cultural exports. And he was saying that the 3 Body problem, when that came out, it was kind of amazing that it was this big international hit and people were expecting there to be a lot more of that coming out of China. And it turns out not really, well, according to him, that is sort of a one-time thing rather than a wave of Chinese culture getting out into the world. And the reason that matters is, well, A, you know, cultural work is in and of itself an important thing, right? It doesn't really need to be justified in other ways. But if you're thinking about geopolitical stuff and national power, people being able to relate to American points of view up until the latest craziness. (laughs) It comes largely from America exporting tons of culture, uh, so that people know what life is like, you know, as a result of listening to all sorts of American music.
1: Yeah, it'd be good to get more, even more media from not only China, but other countries, so we can appreciate the different cultures as well, and not just be so America-centric about, about like, our consumption of, of media. I think a lot of people glorify America because of the the way America is portrayed in a lot of media. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like I, I, I don't know. Like that, well, that's it's not the impression I get anyway.
0: It's not, and it's not necessarily that it's glorified. That, but it's it's understood, right? So yeah. if somebody listens to N.W.A. or something like that, and you know they live in Afghanistan or something, right? That's obviously very critical of America, but. They do feel a connection, like they understand, oh, this is how I live. This is what happens to me. If this is police officers just bothering ice cube all the time, stuff like that.
1: I think there's also the benefit there of that a group like NWA is allowed to exist and like talk about, you know, the police and, and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Yeah. And I think, I think Dan Wong in his thing was saying the same thing. It's like, well, if you. Can't get a lot of things out. You you can't export a lot of culture. And uh, there's a, I actually watched a biography, you know, a documentary about his name was Jia... like I probably Feng Yang or Jia Zhangke. Have you heard of him? He's like a Chinese indie filmmaker, and he's he's gotten very popular via bootleg DVDs because a lot of his stuff cannot be released in theaters in China. Well, anyway, he's gotten like kind of international fame, but he'd probably be a lot more famous if he could just release stuff without having to go through
3: Chinese censors. Obviously, America and American culture projects itself onto the rest of the world, but I mean, I guess too, as we discussed with you know, N.W.A. Where I, I guess there is at least a diversity of culture that we export. You know, rah rah, John Wayne westerns and like America centric stuff and all that. But gangster rap or things that are you know critical of America are exported as well. So at least there's a diversity amongst the culture that we export. I don't know if those things aren't coming out of China or if what is coming out is being you know very selective and cherry picking as to what is coming out of China. Hong Kong action movies and a lot of stuff from Hong Kong, but that's obviously a very specific portion of China that wasn't even technically part of China until 20, 25 years ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's also part part of the Americans' fault too, right? Because Americans are pretty lazy in their media consumption. And if it's only subtitled or it doesn't fit their frame of reference, they might not want to watch it. They'll want to watch the latest Transformers movies or whatever. Right. Perhaps, uh, but
3: are we any more than other countries, or is it really just the, the sort of imbalance of culture that is projected out from us versus what we actually get?
1: I think America's definitely easier than, than other countries as far as media consumption. I feel like most countries <coughs> would be more willing to watch foreign films or look at foreign media, at, you know, deal with subtitles, that kind of thing.
0: I think the the actual problem is closer to the source, though. It's the production of art in China that is, is a bit stymied. Like, for example, Jia Kei, I believe his name is? Even though I watched him pronounce his name several times in that movie, I don't remember it. But his stuff cannot be released in theaters in China, for the yeah. most part. Not even the Chinese could get that, and they basically sell bootleg DVDs of his stuff. And that's how, how that got out. Some of it is, of course, America is lazy about seeking out and getting stuff from other countries but uh, like forget america if you take america out of the equation and you take the average i don't know european country or other asian country i don't think there's that much to get because so many people who would otherwise produce this work don't really want to do it because they have to fight so many barriers like if if you work on an entire film like uh, zha Jin Ke has and the sensors just are like well this is 2 years of work but this is a little bit too whatever so you know no <laughs> you're going to have to sell yourself secretly <laughs> i i think a lot of people are, aren't even going to start right like that's that's just and, and whatever i mean like like we could always say maybe people don't care about that there but one consequences of that is you just get a lot less, a lot less information that you could relate to about how people are living in China. And that's why maybe people make up ridiculous ideas about the Chinese being like these robots or not
3: having the same values and things like that. As far as like, you know, judging a particular population of a country, whether they're lazy or not lazy, it's kind of hard to do. The factor of who exports their culture and the, the sort of media environment they're in. Given that there's been more foreign shows on Netflix and all that have become pretty popular, like Japan exports a ton of culture and Americans eat up a lot of Japanese culture through video games and anime and things like that. Sometimes I just what if it's just a question of just how it's much of, pretty... a, of a, cu- a country exports its culture and like i think there's always going to be willing people in you know in all countries willing to consume that it's, it's still just, pretty like... like
1: it's a pretty niche market though even for japanese stuff i mean, it's a bigger niche market it's probably the biggest one of any other countries right but Maybe. Still, I, don't, I mean i don't, know you're I, I don't that
0: think much. yeah i don't think that's i don't think it's niche there's like for for good or for ill people under 30 are pretty much pretty well into anime <laughs>
3: Like, you go to I, a Barnes and Noble, like, there's whole sections <laughs> of manga, and like, if you, if you export it, we will consume it. This
0: is what I consider a great cultural work, but the top artist is, like, in terms of amount of streams and sales is BTS, right, in the United States. Well, in periods in which they release something new, right, They're Korean boy band <laughs> that has seven guys assembled from actually what's, what's interesting about this is a sort of a counterexample to my thing. China could put together something like that, right? Because I, I don't think BTS is very critical of anything.
3: Sure.
0: Okay. Uh, another
1: interesting point that, that the Reddit user brought up was about the cultural revolution and something that I've always talked about too. And we, we talked about, I think, on the, the first episode. So his comment was, uh, think for yourself. If China would not admit to the cultural revolution, then why would China reform itself? Uh, and yet, and how did you become a prominent university professor? Then conveniently not reported fact is that the Chinese government apologized, rep- made reparations and revised their policies to, for, for the Cultural Revolution. You can be, you can quibble with the amount of money or the monetary compensation and the extent of the reforms, but obviously mistakes and corrections were made. So I also talked to to, to Sandra about this as well, the Chinese friend of the show, and she admits that... like. It it, it is weird that he pretty openly admits to the mistakes and kind of goes and talks about the cultural revolution in in the context that it was something that they should not do again, where they don't talk about other things that they've done, such as like Tiananmen Square and that kind of thing. And is this kind of accepted in China? I I don't know. I I think that the subject is interesting, like why they admit it. And, you know, that part of the book to me was also, I I think everyone thought about it as like, wow, they, they really talk about this as a really bad thing. But it seems to be kind of just an accepted thing in China that that was a bad part of history.
3: Yeah, they reach a certain point where you can't deny it anymore. I mean, in at least the major genocides, at least the ones that like gain such worldwide notoriety that there's just a threshold that you can't deny it anymore. And, yeah.
1: yeah, it's just like the, the, the that has been China's M.O. for a lot of other things. You know, they kind of just paper over... Some of the the bad things that the they've done as a society and even currently like i mean it's not genocidal currently but you know like they, they do a lot of like we talked about with the you know the the weaker population and in, in xinjiang province they they don't really talk about it they they they, they kind of just you know say that it's for re-education and, and, and even talking to, to sandra she says that oh the you know they're they it's for the better of them, right? Like that person has been in the U.S. for for quite a while, and the Vietsicians said the same thing. You know, meanwhile we are, we are getting much much different reports here. So I don't know. I don't know what my point is, but it's right. it was an interesting perspective on the Cultural Revolution, and I think for me to kind of understand that it's this you know it's accepted as a, as a bad thing in in the in Chinese history by the Chinese, yeah. and they're trying to make reparations for it. From the last episode, I've, I've seen a bunch of the same commenter who, who gave our comments, like he's very active on the, the subreddit for a three-body problem. And he actually posted a bunch of different concept art and posted uh, information about the, the movies that China's making. It seems like they're really trying to make a whole three-body universe and trying to really expand the media around that. Like Tim is talking about, they started making a live-action movie for the first one they made like a behind the scenes trailer uh, it was not like actually not like a real trailer for the movie but just like a behind the scenes thing that's only in chinese but you can kind of see uh, some interesting stuff looking at the trailer i was seeing like you know wang Miao with a bunch of pictures around him in like a developing room probably uh, yuan at red space and then other stuff that happens later in the book is also in there but yeah it looks really good there was, you know, I, I mentioned before, there was another movie that kind of got stuck in development and, and never was finished. That also looked good, but this one, you know, seems like a, have better chance of hopefully getting made. There's also some animated stories coming out for it. There's another one that he posted around the Dark Forest. They call it the Three-Body, but it's actually, if you look at the story, it's all for the, the Dark Forest, the second book of the trilogy. So if you don't want to spoil it on it, don't look at it, but... The animation looks good the voice work is i need some work (laughs) i don't know if it's like a fan-made translation but the the artwork look good anyway
0: yeah i I think this sort of strategy is a a very popular kind of thing to do like oh we have a thing that people like let's make it into a universe yeah i'm just gonna say i'm not with that i don't want (laughs) to go on at length
1: yeah i mean i don't know how much they're gonna do uh, outside the scope of the books there is the fourth book that's not really it's mostly a fan fiction that's called um show what it's called it's called the uh, redemption of time and it, it was published but it's not by lucian not part of canon but some people seem to like it i haven't read it but yeah I, I guess like it's like the star wars expanded universe stuff right like that's making its way into other star wars media so maybe they're trying to do the same for this universe as well
2: I just wonder how the rights for these kinds of things works, because Netflix is obviously going to release their show globally, and I assume, I mean, just by looking at it, this seems to have high production values, so I assume that the Chinese movie slash series is going to be released globally as well, so I just wonder how the timing and the rights of all that are going to work. Like, will, will we ever get to see the Chinese version in the U.S. because, because Netflix bought the rights here, or how but well, we have to find alternate ways to, to see it.
1: I think it probably depends on the popularity of the show, right? But like we mentioned before, like Americans are going to go seek out foreign media that's difficult to, to watch or, or whatever. Chinese people in America might do it, but I think by and large, like Americans aren't going to do it. But if the show becomes success, really successful and the people are really into it, not the like Game of Thrones, then they're going to be searching for, for more material and more adaptations. So that they might also put that into Netflix or something. Like they're going to want to get that into more hands. So I don't know. I, I, I think it all depends on the success of the the TV
2: show here. So speaking of the Netflix show, recently the producer in China of Netflix's three-body problem was poisoned. Netflix and the Game of Thrones creators David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, they had partnered with Yuzu Group on the high-profile plan to adapt the books into a TV series. But Yuzu's chairman, Lin Chi, has passed away after an alleged poisoning. The suspect is Yu, and he's only been identified by his surname and age. But apparently he's a senior executive in Yuzu's film and television division, and they're reporting that there was some dispute amongst the company's executive ranks, and Lin was poisoned via a cup of tea.
1: It's definitely interesting, like, the internal studio politics. I haven't heard of any other executives getting murdered based off of different ideas, but. Yeah. It sounds like, like
3: something that might have happened in the book. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there is a story kind of later on in, in the second book that's kind of analogous, but yeah, it's interesting. The studio politics led to such a drastic action.
0: I was going to say that maybe this is an ARG. But I don't know who's listing, so I don't want to spread a conspiracy theory. But it is, yeah, it is really weird, right? That's very, you know, frontiers of science factions kind of stuff happening there. Uh, Do Do we actually know anything about it other than that? Like, why? What the the dispute was or anything?
1: Looking at articles from it, it seemed really just a difference of opinions on how to kind of continue, you know, how to expand that that three-body universe and maybe the the suspect felt slighted or whatever and thought the only way to get around it was to murder this guy. A
3: lot of investment in making three-body problem a thing on multiple fronts. Yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> it's, you know, it's one of the biggest cultural exports you know, yeah. that, that China has, has made to the U.S. Like, not meant I, I can't think of any other Netflix Chinese media that's been adapted into a big Netflix series, especially by, you know, Benioff and Weiss, who are big-name producers who produce, like, one of the biggest TV shows. Right. So presumably it's for a lot of money. So maybe feelings are running super high, there's a bunch of money on the line. Like maybe this guy like thought he lost a lot of money based off of his ideas not being picked up or whatever. But yeah. Today we're going to talk about chapters 12 to 20 of the three body problem. So Ye Jie tells her story at the, of her time at Red Coast Base. She serves under a cover story working for the transmission and monitoring departments. Only after she gains the trust of Commissary Lei does she Get told the true purpose of the base, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. However, he laments that no contact has ever made or received and that the base would eventually run out of funds and be closed. Also during her time, she married Yang Weining and together they had a daughter, Yang Dong. However, an accident at the base killed both Yang and Lei. In Three-Body, Wang tries to convince European scholars such as Galileo and Aristotle that the world actually has three sons, only to be not believed before seeing a trisolar day destroy civilization once more. Afterwards, he's called into the office of Da Xiu, where he meets Wei Cheng, Shen Fei's husband. Wei, a naturally gifted but lazy mathematician, tells the story of how he met Shen at a Buddhist temple and leaves to join her when he is offered unlimited resources to try to solve a problem that has vexed mathematicians the three-body problem. Wei reports that he recently has been threatened both by phone to stop his research and by Shen herself to continue his research. When he accompanies Da and Wang Miao to his house, he finds that Shen has been murdered. Pan Han is the primary suspect since Wei had heard them arguing about the arrival of a lord earlier, but he is nowhere to be found. Wei then asks Wang to take his solution to the three-body problem and publish it. Wang again enters three-body and sees another failed experiment, this time one that included millions of soldiers forming a human computer to run calculations to predict stable and chaotic eras. After civilization is once again destroyed, Wong is invited to a meetup of other players. At the meetup, Wong finds that the organizer is Tan Han, who tells the assembled players that the world of three bodies is actually a real place called Trisolaris. The point of the game and the meetup is to find people sympathetic to the cause of the Trisolarans coming to Earth to conquer the human race. Wang plays along to I find out more. Wang sees that even more catastrophic events have happened to Trisolaris in the three-riding game. The planet is split into two and it's theorized that they will fall into the sun. The only way for the civilization to live on is for them to leave. The Trisolarans develop interstellar ships that can travel one-tenth the speed of light. Wang is able to watch the fleet as they take off for the nearest star, four light-years away, the same distance as Earth. All right. Nicely done. <laughs> that took a whole day. Wow! <laughs> <And, laughs>
3: I, I forget, does it say at the end of the ship that the nearest star is the, our Sun that's four year, light years away?
1: So, so I read this multiple times as well because I was also a little bit confused about if the Earth is really a destination or, or not. So the passage goes, that's a great accomplishment as far as I understand it, but it still seems too slow for interstellar flight. The journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. The key is finding the right target. What's the fleet's destination? A star of the planets about four light years away. The closest star to the Trisolaran system. Long was surprised. The closest star to us is also about four, four light years away. Oh. You? The Earth. Oh, that's not very surprising. So, yeah, they're like saying, hey, you know, we're going to start. a is saying, hey, we our closest star is also four light years away. <laughs> I was
3: going to say, yeah, like the closest, yeah, it's like Alpha Centauri. I knew that was four light years away. It's just like, wow, th- there must be a lot of life in the yeah yeah, our very next neighbor has life in
0: it just every single one
3: yeah and i don't think there's like a three star system there or anything like that but no
0: do we even
1: have the technology to make that the the kind of observation like we can see suns and we can kind of guess like how many planets are on there but we can't really uh like i don't think we could we can yeah no
0: no we could spot three stars that far away yeah
1: could be could we we could spot three stars but could we determine if there is a planet that is revolving around the three of them, you know, well, I, don't, we've I don't f- know so We've found that's... lots of
3: exoplanets now, I mean, in the past 10 years or so. I mean, that's been the big story in astronomy but is finding we, exoplanets. Yeah, go ahead. Well,
1: I mean, we can find them, but we don't know. Like, I think they only know about them, uh, like, based off of other evidence from, like, the stars, like, gravitational yeah. wobble or whatever, right? Like, we don't right. know, like, how, what the orbits of those planets are. Like, I, I don't yeah. know either. Oh. Uh, they well, tend I mean, to be...
0: Yeah. uh, So like the, the, the first question though, is there a three star, are there three stars in proximity with each other uh, around Alpha Centauri? So Alpha Centauri, and then what are the other two?
3: I don't think so. I think there's an Alpha and a Proxima Centauri that are kind of far, but I don't think they're like a three star system or something that would like, well, that would be subject to the three body problem, but. Right. So yeah, in in a way, yeah. Oh, good. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: I was gonna say it's also fiction, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah.
0: This is this is yeah. This is the one thing we have to accept. Like this, okay. the, our dearest neighbor now has is oh, in it like is a, a triple. Star.
3: S- oh, you know what? It is a triple star system. Oh. googling
0: just yeah, it's a triple. There you yeah, go. Because right? oh. we have
3: three stars: Alpha Centauri, Centauri B, and. Yeah.
0: That's that's really convenient. Yeah. Yeah. If we want to visit that, all we have to do is solve the three-body problem no well yeah or or, or do spice yeah light speed (laughs) ships and take four years i guess but yeah i i think i think the discovery of exoplanets is really spotty right so there could be an exoplanet we haven't discovered that that's that close because yeah like dan said they have to use tertiary and secondary information to spot yeah. exoplanets and then and then sometimes they could just take a shot and be like oh maybe we could like see this with light like a huge percentage of them are, are what they call hot jupiters just extremely large unstable planets that are super hot so like the tritisolarans would be doomed like right away regardless of the three body problem there have been earth-sized planets discovered though that
3: that are like the right temperature like yeah there was one that was a big story really recently like in the past two months or so but
1: I, I don't think it's, a, it's not a spoiler to say really, but in the, in the third book, they do observe another star with with another planet. And they they talk about this specific thing. Like they kind of guess that there's a planet or they guess that there's no planets there because like the observation, the, and, and they talk about like how they like, it's like the gravitational wobble of the, of the star based off of, of that. And that's how they're able to make the determination, but because it's so far away, it's, it's hard to, to actually know if there's, if there's planets there or not.
0: Yeah. That's actually like a field that was like. Like, finding exoplanets has been a field that has been in low regard up until like the late 90s because there have been so many false positives before that where it's like, oh, exoplanet, no, no not really. And then like, there's just been this explosion since the late 90s of, find, well, I mean, it's still not that many, but of finding exoplanets. If you're actually interested in this, I, I've been watching something called, something on The Great Courses. Like, it's available through Canopy. I'll, I'll try to link it in the show notes, but there's like a streaming service that's like Netflix, except it's for your library. And there's like a professor, like an MIT professor, who does this class on there about finding exoplanets. And there's like a lot of things like observing, you know, probable orbits and yeah, yeah, the gravitational wobble thing. And they have to use this weird bag of tricks to guess at where the exoplanets are. But yeah, so there it is. Now we know.
1: Well, we don't know. Like, We, we don't know for sure, right? Like Panhand says that civilization is really real. And oh. now I think it's still kind of skeptical. Oh, yeah. I apologize. So I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know that we, we know that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't.
3: I mean, at this point, I don't know if this is guy is, this is like a cult dedicate, or you know, how does he know? Like, what line of communication does he have with these people? Why have they been doing this game? Did the tri try to recruit a clandestine number of Earth's Earth humans to solve this problem for them, or, you know, and we failed. I mean, see, so now they're leaving.
1: It seems like there's like a fight among them, right? Like they're you know, Panhand murders another person, you know, murder Shen Yifei, or you know, presumably. Well, that's, that's her. allegedly right. right? Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's yeah allegedly he yeah. does that but there's definitely some fight among them right like the Wei Cheng had said that they were arguing on the phone about the the appearance of a lord and yeah. I can't remember the exact quote but you know one of them talks about hold on
3: he goes fine Panhan said although we seem like fellow travelers on the surface in reality we are irreconcilable enemies and Shen said yes you are trying to use our lord's power against the human race and then Pan. Your understanding is not completely unreasonable. How, we want our Lord to come to this world to punish those who have long deserved it. However, you are working to prevent our Lord's coming, and that's why we can't tolerate you. If you don't stop, we'll make you stop. And Shen yeah. goes, the, yeah, the commander was blind to allow you to, to join the organization. Pan says, speaking of, can you tell whether the commander sides with the Adventists or the Redemptionists?
1: So it seems like connected. there's like a fight between even people who who believe are yeah. And Chen Fei is like member of the Frontier of Science. She's in her husband is like in in the game, right? So yeah. I think they're all connected, but there's definitely some fight among them, which I think is is pretty interesting.
3: How this connects to the initial like Red Coast search for extraterrestrial life, but yes, it from my perspective now, it seems like this you know frontiers of science has some sort of line of communication with an alien race and obviously there's a faction within them it still begs the question as to like what the like what the purpose of the three-body problem program you know or or game was and why were we attempting to solve this problem for them
1: yeah i mean to me it seems like based off of the meetup that it's really more like the game is kind of a secondary thing. It's really just a means to find people yeah. who, who are sympathetic to the, the cause of tri coming here. And so when they actually have the meetup, like the two guys who kind of weren't in agreement with everybody else, they kicked them out and said, you can't come back to the game, right? Right. So I think it's really just like a mechanism to weed out the people who will be sympathetic to, to the tri coming here and conquering Earth and they said that's what the okay.
3: so yeah it's all a recruitment it's, it was a recruitment tool up to this point to this
1: right and i think like
3: group it, or cult or whatever
1: and, and i think it's also not only like the sympathies to do it but also the technical acumen to do it as well like the three-body problem was sort of a means to an end to solve to, to kind of like a, an intelligence test right of people who who both know enough about science and then also are sympathetic to the cause to, to let the trisolarians come here and conquer earth or you know as, as far as th- they say yeah and and
2: then was the game also not only to build sympathy but wasn't it also a little bit of propaganda as well to just make people aware and put the trisolarians in a good light rather than just
3: yeah, yeah. it yeah. seems that way because yeah they make the analogy to the aztecs and and, and and spanish conquest and you know it sounds like it's a
0: like, it's the uh, cultural export thing we were talking yeah, about yeah. earlier. <laughs> they got it right.
3: Yeah, it's like trying to find. It seems like trying to find people who think the human race is so awful that we should allow them to be subjugated by this alien race.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and they, and they in the one of the things that I caught on on this reread um, that I didn't catch on the first one. I mean, I kind of knew about it, but anyway, it came more clear about. The differences between why the figure started changing. So, like in the first couple times, like he logged on uh, Wang Miao logged on to the game. Uh, he has a Chinese surname uh, called Hiren, which is like I forgot. It's the it's high, high like C like person, like person of the sea, right? Mm-hmm. But then, like later on, and I think the third time he goes on, he changes his name. And, and I'm sorry. So when he logs on with that he's like met with like Chinese historical figures, you know, King Joe and Moetze and all those people. But then as soon as he changes his name to Copernicus, which is a European philosopher and scientist, all the figures around have become more, more European. So the game is kind of adapting to where the person is coming from and changing their frame of reference. So you might not be seeing what's happening across the layers, but it's like within it's so people can kind of grasp the concepts. I think Uh, that's what, that's, that's what I got out of it anyway.
0: Well, why wouldn't they just use the IP address?
1: Yeah, that, that was also a weird part where they talk about the like, <laughs> Ma- Mac address and that kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> like, how does this guy know about like... Mac addresses? <laughs>
0: well, I think their comeback to that was, we've scanned your face, haha, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Yeah,
1: the, the suit knows. Yeah, the yeah, rental no, scan. Yeah, written... This is <laughs> why I don't still... <laughs>
0: use the the Apple face thing. Anyway, it's
1: still, not, it's still not totally clear to me like who is an NPC and who is a PC in this game. I kind of thought about it as sort of like the, the matrix movies where like the agents take over people and those agents are the admins, right? Cause the admins like talk to Wang meow out of the game, right. And say, oh, Hey, you should come to this meetup. And so I think they kind of take the, the place of those avatars. So like one Wang Wang was saying, oh, it's, you know, change my username and log back on after I get burned to the stake. I got the feeling like the, an admin kind of took over that avatar and said, no, you can't do that. You know, we'll, we'll track your retina scans.
0: Yeah. There's obviously too many characters for it to be a pure MMORPG well, yeah. so I think you're right that it's just like a few cute characters, like there's basically ringers hired to like work the room like like in a, back in the heyday of poker right to like fill the table <laughs> they, they just send people around to create action I think it's that sort of thing.
1: And there was another passage at the meetup where one of the other one of the players had talked about how she had advanced to like a higher civilization. I think it's like Civilization two oh three or something like that. And then Wang Miao kinda of realized it's like all the players here are ex- experiencing different different instances of the game, right? But then at the same time, like Wang Miao meets up with a person during the, the Van Neumann uh, simulation where he makes a joke about some very specific Chinese where he says, hearing this modern joke, Wang knew that the man before him wasn't a program, but a real person and almost certainly Chinese. So I don't know, there's conflicting information there, but I think by and large, it's a single player experience.
0: Actually, now that, now that you bring it up, I'm not entirely sure is, is the three body problem played outside of China?
1: I think so. I mean,
0: cause. I mean- I mean, like, obviously no one at the local meetup is from outside of China. They, they just have these all over the world, because when they have, like, the... They have, like, bigger meetings of, like... Ah, oh, never mind. Yeah, I guess I... Yeah, okay, I, I, will, I will read carefully as I read the next few chapters, I, I guess. I always
1: assumed that it was, like, a worldwide game, and especially yeah. mm-hmm. because they changed the perspective of the game to a more european focus when he changed his name to Copernicus. But maybe well, that's not true. Like, maybe those guys were interested in European science, right? Yeah,
3: that's, I mean, that was my question. I'm, just, I'm curious about why it's kind of, like, been kind of, like, representing these various phases of human, or at least, well, maybe not all of human, but it seems specifically European and Chinese, like, modes of thought. And it feels like it's throwing different, like, eras of philosophy and science and understanding at, at this problem and I'm not, not quite sure, is this a function of the game? Like you have to go through these phases in order to reach phases of science or, you know, like is, is this sort of modeling the progression of human, you know, like science and philosophy, or at least, again, from a, like a Chinese and European perspective, because, or, well, yeah, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm just, you know, like.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not but...
3: sure why it's like, like why it's like, You know like represent like kind of going like methodically through this like scope of human you know like scientific development and like modes of scientific thought and then like it feels like you know like kind of going to like when i the questions i had about like chapter 15 here and all that like there's even at some point you know the you know he's he encounters you know da vinci and galileo and aristotle he, he encounters characters in this you know very western i guess you know western style of thinking and it feels like the author is kind of tr- like trying to contrast like eastern or making a commentary on like eastern and western methods of like science you know scientific and philosophical thinking and uh, you know i guess like is there like you know my question is like is there really been historically that much of a difference like is there really you know we tend to think of it in that way and like modern culture tends to or at least western culture tends to think of like eastern philosophy and eastern medicine and eastern you know, has something like distinct and different and you know obviously like exoticized from our po- and po- point of view that's why it was interesting to me to see like as from a chinese author to like it almost seems like he's like confirming that in a little bit and the way he's like writing these like you know or envisioning these western you know or european scientists and philosophers
1: i mean it can always be a comment on th- the way that 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 Western people kind of just throw away or you, yeah. know, uh, you know minimize the efforts of of Eastern Shh. scholars. Sure. Where even in like the the time where he starts meeting up, where he gets burned at the stake, they're like, oh yeah, the the Eastern people like you know myst, mystics and whatever the witches, they don't know what they're talking about. Like we know the actual thing, so it might have been a comment on that where people have more of a, a European centric view or a Western centric view of biggest increases in, in thinking are only from the from the West.
2: Right. But,
0: yeah. I actually, yeah, I'm not really sure that, I, I have a feeling that Liu Shixin actually thinks that, I mean, he doesn't, I'm sure he doesn't think like, oh, you know, all the best thinking is from the West, but I think the scientific method and like being really rigorous about evidence is something he seems to really revere and, and that did come from the West. So I think he might be like saying, okay, this is the leap you need to figure this
3: out. Yeah. But I mean it's weird to me that in the game now they you know, when he meets like Da Vinci, Galileo and Aristotle and then this Pope that they kind of then like turn into these like inquisition like rigid they burn him at the stake. And it's it's funny because Galileo and Da Vinci and Aristotle were historically, you know, considered the rebel thinkers, the people that were in danger of getting burned at the stake or going against it at the time was obviously at least in Galileo's time, like religious understandings so it's kind of weird they were characterized in this way to my final question is like why does the game mod if the point of it is to uncover the truth all why and i guess this goes back to whether the like galileo and da vinci are actual role programs or role players you know like why why model this sort of like you know dogmatism and burn somebody at the stake who has an original thought here or is bringing in an original thought here. Like, why is that modeled into the game? Or why is anybody even bothering to role-play that if the purpose of the game is to, you know?
1: But the purpose of the game is also to endear people to the the trisolarans coming here and taking over Earth. So maybe they're trying to model the worst behavior of human. Even revered figures is like Galileo, and, and they're burning people who have solutions at the stake. So humankind is broken and can't be fixed. Maybe that's a, the, the behavior they're trying to model and trying to show there.
3: Right.
0: I thought I thought maybe he was just trying to model video game behavior. <laughs> like people playing video games, that's what they're like. They name themselves Galileo and then they scream obscenities at you and stuff. <laughs>
3: No, that's more true. And, yeah, again, I <laughs> thought of these questions before. I kind of like read a little further on. But, you know, so yeah, like there's obviously this meta layer to the purpose of this game that kind of recontextualizes things that have gone in the past. But
1: Right, right. Yeah, I, I think it's slowly building the players or trying to gauge the players' sympathies towards being integrated into uh, a group that thinks that the Trisliners can come here to conquer Earth and, and the, the Earth should be cleansed. That That's Panhand's philosophy anyway. And like I said, we talked about before, that there's maybe some competing philosophies of how that could be accomplished. But the the sentiment that they got from the meetup group is that, oh, yeah, humanity is broken and you know, we need to be cleansed. Uh, I think there's also some interesting Easter eggs that I I found when I was reading, like I had mentioned before, how, how when the head Mao are there, he... The, they had Confucius out, frozen. And some of the other ones that I found from this one was when they, they put Long Miao on the stake, and they talked about how they previously pulled it from uh, Giordano Bruno. So I didn't know this before, but Bruno is also a a person who supported the Copernican view of the solar system, but he was also burned at the stake <laughs> during the Inquisition. And then finally, when they go back and they see the two dueling people, it's uh, Newton and Le- uh, what is it, Leibniz, or... Leibniz. Leibniz. Yeah, yeah. Leibniz. They actually were rivals in, in real life and, yeah. you know, talked about, uh, kind of fought about like the methods of calculus. So, like, that's also another little Easter egg there of the two philosophies fighting in the game. Yeah. One of the, the scenes that really struck me when I read the first time was the computer scene. You know, me being uh, the person who studies computer science and, you know, does, does computer stuff for a living. I thought that stuff was really interesting. Did, yeah. did, did you guys also appreciate that? I actually,
0: I was trying to look this up before uh, we started recording, but I read a book that had the same concept of the human computer. I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes, but it's an interesting idea, like you have people acting as various gates, and then if you have enough people, you build up a computer, and then you can kind of cross-check them and stuff like that, without really knowing exactly how many calculations were needed. Do you think that one year? was it a realistic runtime considering how many <laughs> cycles per second that you have in a real computer.
1: Well and they did talk about like you know, the tristelarians actually did build that and the and they said the tristelarians communicate with light. So yeah, you know, they might have mm-hmm. been taking a little bit of a creative liberty there with like the people representing with like, the flags. But then, yeah. like, maybe the maybe the had enough using this the the light communication to actually do whatever calculations they needed. But it's also just more of a thought experiment that you could do it. I, I don't know. I thought it was like, to me, like when I, when I think about the, the first, like one of the big first scenes that I really remember reading the first time was this scene. And, you know, it's again, my biases of, of being <laughs> a person who studies computer science um, for a living. But the, I thought that stuff was, was interesting.
0: Do you study computer science for a living? I mean, sort of. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but yeah. Oh so yeah, I we're, guess the joke I'm, there I is so we're software engineer Yeah, we're yeah. we're software engineers. That is the joke in case you don't get that. But the Yeah, I think the I I think it was interesting like to think about people executing these things for a year. I but obviously it's a game and those are probably all bot players that were doing the things like that, but
1: Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I don't know. I don't know if people could hold up doing that for an entire year. <laughs> I um, also
1: like the, the scene of like the, the failed component is going to beheaded by the, caval- the cavalry. Like they like, i just kind of him, blow him down. <laughs>
0: I, I wonder if that's a reference to uh, Sun Tzu. Like he, he supposedly got like the attention of some emperor by like going to his court and saying, hey, I'm really good at military stuff. And the the military guy was like, okay, or the emperor was like, show me some strategies. Here's my concubines. And then like Sun Tzu started putting the concubines in formations and telling them to do that. And some of them didn't take it seriously, so he killed them. (laughs) And then the emperor was like, oh yeah, this guy's real cool. Killer of prostitutes (laughs) or whatever. And then he got to hang out and uh, be a general, I guess, in that court and then write books for business people like thousands of years in the future. Uh, of course, yeah, it's very apocryphal, but I wonder if I wonder if that's a thing, or if just generally keep killing people who get out of line is just what you do if you're some kind of emperor.
1: So Amin, I don't think that you studied this kind of stuff in school, right? Like the computer science like games no. and stuff. Yeah. No, I so, I didn't <laughs> so I wonder like how much of that that you got thought was thought was uh interesting.
2: Well, it all made sense to me. Like the and or or not gates, like all those things made sense to me. I also thought it was the way they handled faulty components was really interesting. I, I think, I I know we always have a section about how would they film this. I think getting to that kind of scale, even showing 30 million people in in a single shot, just trying to envision what that would look like. I I had a hard time with that, but otherwise...
1: I thought like the... The only thing I didn't like about it was, like, how to talk about, like, the OS 1.0, and, like, they wouldn't know that back then. It it seemed a little bit mixing current-day technology concept versus, like, trying to make this really basic human power computer was a little bit much, but, I mean, the the concepts were still, like, super super cool to me. Yeah, I I think
0: along these lines, things that wouldn't happen... You know, know, what was was the husband of uh, Shen Yufei's name? Wei Cheng. Wei Cheng. Like, okay. So his genius idea was figuring out the three body problem with a Monte Carlo simulation, I think Shen Fei was like, you're a genius. Oh, this is amazing. Let's have you like, you could be my live in husband and work on this forever for free.
1: Right. But she, uh, had, seems... a, she had, she had alternative motives, right? Like, you know, she's well, already,
0: yeah. Well, uh, it's not that it's, it's that, yeah, that, that I accept it, It's just like that she thought it was genius. You could apply that to anything (laughs) like, oh, this is a hard problem. Let's do a Monte Carlo simulation. (laughs) They just need like real powerful computers to just like simulate this over and over and over again and we'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, in a way it's not so stupid. Like it's sort of like machine learning, like, oh, well, let's just get all the data in the world and then create these really, really large models and, and figure it out, but the way he wrote about it was it's like oh he's he's a mathematical genius but uh, the way he's gonna do it is just gonna have computers run simulations at random over and over and over again
3: oh, yeah. he did say he was lazy <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> the Jim man of of uh, mathematicians <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know man i i did i did think that was some funny
0: writing in the interrogation where he's like oh yeah it's, it's too lazy to tell you the rest of uh, the story <laughs> she also said this <laughs> but yeah what did you guys think of the messages that, that oh, the chinese yeah. sent out from the red coast
1: yeah i i really like that, that oh, uh, the yeah. first message was was very funny <laughs> to our uh... yeah that was pretty f- oh the, <laughs> a, yeah, the a good the
3: there. yeah yeah the pure propaganda one <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then the response would be like guys <laughs>
0: I, I guess what I find interesting is, I forget whether or not there's more explanation about these messages in the later chapters, so I'll look at that, but even the, the message that was free of drama was filled with words like civilization and country and... Yeah.
3: well, yeah, it's still trying to...
0: Yeah, it, it's still very human, very incredibly specific, right? So, yeah, it, it'd be... I forgot, I don't, I don't know if they ever mentioned these messages again, but it would be interested to see, like, again. I guess since I forgot, well, like, yeah, I mean, whether or not they find them.
1: Well, they just yeah. You know, she said that they don't find them, right? She said like the no messages were ever received or it, there's no no bi-directional communication. Yeah. You know, from from the message, so it seemed like you know what. The same thing as, like, they found, like, the Voyager satellite. Yeah. It's, the, the, like, the, the really basic, like, here's how you would decode this message, first of all. And here's a really basic message about, like, the civilization of Earth and that kind of thing. They even mentioned Voyager uh, is in, in that. In they the did, yeah. 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 <clears throat> so it's, it, yeah. it's a very similar message like that, but, like, the Chinese were, were really trying to weaponize, it seemed like. Or, you know, not weaponize, but, like, really, like. Get, get ahead to, of the game. Yeah, get ahead of the the Americans and the Russians by yeah. initiating contact with uh, them. But it just, it's never worked. Yeah, I I have to wonder
0: like what the people, uh, like Carl Sagan, who who like wrote those messages. Like, did, did you did you really think that like these messages will be understood? But yeah. you got to put something out there. I guess the government well, asked like, you, you to do it. it yeah, know. I mean,
3: they, they try i mean yeah it's like what What are you gonna do like they have the plaque on the voyager that has like uh, <laughs> yeah like well it just kind of has like the basic atomic models for like hydrogen and helium or something like that and like a drawing of a man and a wo- human man and a woman and some really basic
0: yeah and, and that all depends on like okay we, we are hoping that not only is there extraterrestrial intelligence that it senses things through through light waves hitting sure um mm-hmm. a nerve and stuff like that so yeah yeah, yeah I, I don't know i guess it's futile. it's futile i mean i guess if you have the money to do it you might as well but she but... i
1: think she also talked about like the power of the the telescope and also for the the the, the radio telescope. telescope yeah the radio telescope yeah. We didn't have enough power to actually make it outside and to, to actually like keeping a cohesion in the message right so it didn't seem she like didn't seem like she had much hope of that message actually doing anything
3: yeah. Well,
1: I
0: mean, yeah,
3: you, I... You, you kind of just have to hope that millennia from now, it reaches somewhere. What is our earliest radio broadcast? The Hitler one or something? We've projected our <laughs> presence. There's that joke about it. I think, like, the first broadcast that went out was uh, something involving Adolf Hitler or something like that. So, like, our our the bubble of our existence, in which we've a- announced our existence, is only 80 or so light years, you know, wide. So, you that just kind of a... have to, like, hope that something really, really far in the future.
1: That was a single female lawyer from the, the Omicron Percy I...
3: <laughs> Oh, see, so that's sort of like
0: what the, the supposed Trislorans did. They created sympathy for uh, McNeil <laughs> so that they, yeah. We You should link to uh, Futurama in the show notes so that people understand why we are laughing because we just remembered a TV episode. But yeah, yeah, I think I, I, I do have to wonder what is going through people's heads when they do something like this. It's like, well, this isn't gonna work, but I'm just gonna do it.
2: Well, <laughs> I mean, what else am I gonna
0: do?
3: Yeah, <laughs> you know, might as well. If you're gonna send a satellite out into deep space, you might as well just put something on there to go along for the ride, just in the hopes something out there can interpret it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it,
1: the, do you think it's good if people do find the message? Like, could there be consequences to that?
0: Are uh, you talking about the? The Voyager, or are you talking about the the story here?
1: In general. Like, you know, if oh, you okay. send a message, and that kind of... I mean, is that a problem? If if people... Like, you don't know the intentions of the people picking up that message, right?
0: So there's there's that, that part in, I think, somewhere in these chapters, somebody was talking about, like, oh how before we believed it would be great to come into contact with other people, but somebody came up with this thing, like, well, it's actually going to be really bad, because it's just going to unbalance the human race, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eh, so so there's, there's
3: that. I'm on the side, you still got it, like, you just can't assume the worst. I mean, that's just going to paralyze you from ever, you know. Ever trying stuff? Ever trying anything, you know? It's just.
0: I, I don't know. I don't I, there, know. There are some things you shouldn't try. <laughs> because, yeah, there's a chapter in something called Subglobal Catastrophic Risks about things that could end the human race. And there's this explanation that humans think that because they risk things and then they learn from that and they keep going, that that's like just the model they should apply to everything. But there's like certain categories of risks that are like, well, it's just going to gonna destroy the human race and you won't learn from it because the human race will be gone.
3: Well, sure. Yeah. I can accept yeah. for building nuclear weapons or just certain, yeah, obviously certain things, but you know, as far as just making contact with other, you know, life, I mean,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I I mean, I think, here's what I think, if there is some sort of intelligent life in the ways we define it, you know, like taking in input, processing it, and doing other things, I I would guess that they wouldn't understand any messages, even if we put a little thing explaining A equals 1 and B equals 2 or whatever, some decoding thing. They would just be like, this is not a natural object, and that would be the signal. They'd be like, this doesn't come from, like, gases being compressed by gravity. And I think that would be the signal. So you can send anything. You can carve, like, a yeah. I
1: mean, would you assume that, like, the the people receiving that message would be also benevolent and just looking for exploration? Or they might, I mean, like, there's a lot of media out there talking about, you know, like, the aliens coming here to conquer the Earth.
0: I feel like the concepts of conquer and benevolence would probably not be a thing. It's just, like, I consume whatever... Hydrogen <laughs> and I, I produce things. Where can I produce, uh, consume more hydrogen? And maybe that would end in like destroying the sun or, or something like that. There's there's just like so many possibilities for the development of uh, life that, you know, they're, they're just so incredibly unlikely to be similar to us as like the Trice are being depicted in this game.
1: Yeah, but what if like your planet it's faded to perish right they talked about that in the last chapter where like the last planet they had in the 11 planet system split into two and is about to fall into the sun and they all eventually leave for uh, a star that's closest to them like what are their intentions there
3: just just to coexist man (laughs)
1: yeah. <laughs> Just to hang out a We
0: should have sent out on the we'll Voyager. Give, we'll give what me, are, what me are me those Mars, coexist maybe, bumper stickers? Switch. <laughs> with yeah. switch with like Mario yeah.
1: Party.
2: We can play together, man. It'd
1: be cool.
0: Yeah. Animal Crossing. Well, yeah, the Mario Kart AR thing would be cool because then they could play, they could drive the car on our planet. Yeah. We could drive the car their... <laughs> Thanks for listening. Leave comments by emailing us at rehydratedfastmail.com or on Twitter at RehydratePod. Please join us next time for Episode 7, Sunset for Humanity, where we will be reading chapters 21 through 26 of The Three-Body Problem.